Dear friends in our Lord, Jesus, grant us balm and healing in your holy wounds I find. So we sang the first words of the first hymn this evening, and so is our Lenten prayer. As again tonight on this third Wednesday in Lent, we reflect upon the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. As was mentioned last week, during this our Lenten reflection, we'll be guided by his wounds, five of them. Last week, we considered the holy hands of our Lord. Tonight, this week, we ponder his feet, sacred feet, beautiful feet. We begin, though, by considering our own. The foot. It's not exactly the most glorious member of the human anatomy. Our feet are certainly far less venerated than is one's countenance, his face, or one's crown of hair. Well, songwriters and poets have not at all been lacking in their praise and in their adoration of a beloved's bright eyes or warm and beaming smile or lovely locks. They've been far less prolific, haven't they, in putting out verse about our feet. Maybe they've just had trouble finding words that rhyme with bunion and callus, ingrown toenail, planter warts, corns, athlete's foot. Truth is, though, those less than attractive words are rather accurate. They're rather accurate when we do consider our feet. In fact, in some cultures, bare feet are considered very unsightly, even offensive. In certain Arab countries, for instance, in Thailand, it's extremely rude to show someone the sole of your foot. Because our feet are our feet, I suppose it's not surprising then that that in many cultures, especially though in our own, we seek to beautify our feet. We dress them up before they take us out and about. Pedicures and polishes help for some, but for us all, we cover and we clad them in the, in the style that suits us best, whether that be sandal or boot or shoe, high-heeled or low, comfortable or cramped. But despite their appearance, the feet, I think, are two of the most underappreciated members of the body. After all, they're the first out of bed in the morning and the very last in bed at night. Though they do get a bit more vocal as we and as they get older, for many years of our lives they go wherever they're told, whenever they're told, without serious complaint. And that's no small feat. That's a bad pun, but it's no small feat. It's been determined that if one were to jog a 10-mile course, his foot would strike the ground 15,000 times in those 10 miles. Each and every time at a force of three to four times the body's weight. Like dedicated workhorses in humble service, our feet don't often get the attention that I think they might deserve. Well, if we have less than full appreciation for our own feet, think of how much and how gravely we undervalue the feet of our Lord Jesus. Like John the Baptist said, we're not even worthy to stoop down and attend to Christ's feet, and yet consider it. Consider the steps that those feet have taken for your sake and for mine. Those feet of his, worn raw and rugged, traversing the valleys and the hills and the mountains of Palestine, they were soiled with the dust and the dirt of earth. With the dust and the dirt of earth to bear to lost souls in every valley, on every hill and atop every mountain, heaven's good news. Those feet of his, those feet of our Lord, ventured into villages, 
and into homes that did not welcome him but rejected those feet. In merciful, condescending humility, those feet took their place at tables of those who considered them no more highly than their own feet, considered them simple, common feet, those feet of his, deserving of heaven and earth as a footstool. Those feet, they tread our roads and our highways, our byways. Surely he could have remained enthroned above, above the angels in heaven, above heaven itself, and yet he deigned to tread down here where the proud and where the arrogant tread, where the selfishness of mankind is king, where one treads on another to find the footing of advantage, whether that be by stepping on another to raise oneself up or by stepping on another to keep another down. Oh, that we would recall the posture of John and consider our unworthiness even to attend tonight to the pondering of his feet. Oh, that we would in bewildered gratitude assume in our souls the posture of Mary, the sister of Martha, Mary at his feet. You see, she saw beyond the calluses in the road-worn ruggedness of our Lord's feet, and she treasured them as they were, bringers of salvation. And so recall what we heard last week. With the oil of highest price, she anointed the Lord's feet, John writes, and then she wiped them with her hair. Our posture, though, is all too often of the disciples, those disciples from last week, who thought it a waste for Mary to spend so much on worship and the adoration of our Lord, that when that money, they said, could have been spent somewhere else in a more practical way. Our posture is all too often that of the disciples that we heard about tonight. Rather, I should say, our feet all too often mimic theirs. Far too frequently. Just as we heard tonight in the Passion account, when we find Circumstances in our life are well out of control, just like they found in their lives, in the dark garden of Gethsemane. Like them, we all too easily often flee. Our feet of flight fleeing in fear. But you see, it's not our Lord who needs us near, but it's you and I that need to be near Him. Even when that might mean crosses to bear. But so often, we, like they did in the, in the reading tonight, so often we flee, we scamper from him and the promises of his word at those times when we need him most. Our feet, our feet are so wayward and so unsteady. Friends, know then that our confidence rests not in the uncertainty and in the unpredictability of our own instability, our confidence rests solely and certainly in His sure-footedness. You see, those feet of His that we ponder this evening with divine determination and direction, they brought Him not simply throughout Judea for our sake, but ultimately to dark Gethsemane, And they bore him from there to the court of the high priest and then to Pilate, to Herod, back to Pilate again, finally under the weight of a cross and bearing the sin of all the world. And finally they brought him, those feet of his, to a place called Golgotha, 
for your sake and for mine. It was love of the divine kind that kept his feet struggling ever forward, ever onward to their goal. Don't ever think it an accident. Don't ever assume his feet had gone wayward. Friends, it's there that they had always intended to go. It's to Calvary that his feet had always intended to go. The destiny of those feet had always been to be pierced through by a nail and fastened to a cross in order that Jesus the Christ would there with his heel crush the head of the ancient serpent and crush under his heel the dominion of sin. Consider the words that we sang in our sermon hymn just a moment ago. Calvary's mournful mountain climb there, adoring at his feet. Mark that miracle of time. God's own sacrifice complete. Oh, the love that we behold in those nail-pierced feet of our Lord Jesus. And should we lack the words to express how we might rightly regard them, then we need only consider and hear what Scripture says of those feet. Those feet that bear to us the tidings of His nail-pierced feet and the peace that they bring. What does Scripture say? How beautiful the feet. How beautiful the feet upon the mountains of Him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings to us, who proclaims our salvation. The average foot, not so attractive. But indeed, how very beautiful are those bloody, mangled feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. While the nail has long been removed from his feet, the nail mark remains. And how we treasure that nail mark that remains, for in it his feet still serve us as emblems of his continued love for us, his continued service to us. Mind you, no longer does he gird up his loins as he once did and wash the feet of his disciples. No, but now he does, and until earth's last day, he does wash clean for us that which is far fouler and far dirtier and dingier than our feet, our souls. But he delights in it. He delights in cleansing us and cleansing us with baptismal water and then directing our feet, directing our steps, guiding our way to his altar where he also continually cleanses us from head to foot with his nail-pierced body, his precious blood in that dear sacrament given for you. And so because of the sure-footedness of Christ's nail-pierced feet, because of the salvation that they bring to us, we may rightly and gladly confess with the psalmist, He plucks my feet from the net, and He sets my feet firm upon a rock, and gives me a firm place to stand, and friends, believe Him. Believe Him when He says to you, believe Him in life. In life, wherever your feet may be directed by Him, believe Him in death. When you too walk through the valley of the shadow of death, believe him when he says, I will not let their foot to be moved. Dear friends, as your feet take you tonight on your homeward way, 
ponder and prize the nail-pierced feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name, amen.